Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. Corey, it's March. There's madness. And despite Penn State bowing out of the Big Ten tournament, they put on an impressive showing while they were still in it. Man, I love this time of year, Jed. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make it a statement. Full disclosure here, okay? Uh, college basketball is my favorite sport, and we are supposed to be unbiased. Listen, fans probably think that the media is biased one way or another against their team. It's not the case. It's just really not. Fans may think, oh, this media member hates my team or loves my team or what have you. I would say that's typically not the case. I, I, I've, we've been in this business a long time, you and I, Jared. And, yeah, there are homers. But I think for the most part, media people try to do their job and be unbiased as much as possible. Okay, so I just want to point that out. But I also, full disclosure, say I do want Penn State basketball to be successful, period. There's there's no – I love college basketball. With Penn State football, it's so big and such a massive entity. We'll cover it, win, lose, draw, whatever, and and, and you can be – you can be honest about Penn State football because, it, again, it is such a huge deal. Penn State basketball is not, but I, I, I wish it was. I truly do. I, I love college basketball. I host a daily radio show every day. I'd like to be able to talk Penn State basketball in January and February and March. You know, Jared, if people gave a damn. Yeah, I mean, they kind of don't. don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think for the longest time, Penn State really didn't give a damn about Penn State basketball. And I think that's yeah, tough. true. Um, the BJC, the Bryce Jordan Center, is a fun place to watch basketball uh, when they're good because when, when that when that arena is filled, that place is a fun and tough place to play. I mean, there are a couple of games against Ohio State a few years ago under Pat Chambers where that team, man, or that arena was filled and it was an incredible atmosphere. Now, when they fill up Rec Hall, it's a great atmosphere too. I never, I didn't think that they should have ever left Rec Hall, um, but you know, it's funny. We'll get to the wrestling team in the uh in the future or in the uh later stages of this podcast but you know the wrestling team fills up the bryce jordan center religiously um now the wrestling team is is perennially one of the best in the country if not the best um so it's funny that you know you can flip those two and and you'd have really some great atmospheres for college athletics yeah i I agree with that and 
and I love college basketball, and it would just be awesome if Penn State were relevant in February or March. There, there have been some years, some pockets where they were, uh, back when they won the NIT with Taylor Battle and then went to the NCAA tournament the next year, and they won another NIT, and they, they would have gone to the tournament with Lamar Stevens. Um, so where, where we're going with all this is Penn State had a really nice show, really nice showing in the Big Ten tournament uh, with a couple of wins and then really gave Purdue all they wanted. There, there is no question, okay, that Micah Shrewsbury did a fantastic job his first season. He is an excellent head coach. So when I tell folks I really want Penn State basketball to succeed, I think it would be great for our region. I think it would be great for Penn State fans to kind of get them through, you know, the winter uh, as something to look forward to outside of wrestling, obviously, until spring football. But Micah Shrewsbury, first and foremost, we'll start with him, just did a fantastic job. This is not a tremendously talented Penn State team. They have some good players. John Harris, the hardest worker you'll ever see. Jalen Pickett's a good player. Sam Sesson's a good offensive player. Seth Lundy, a good two-way player. But they're not phenomenally talented. But I'll tell you what, the one thing you want in sports, Jared, this is what I want from my teams and probably you as well, you just want your players to bust their ass and have a chance. You want them to compete from start to finish. And even though Penn State went 7-13 and 13 in the Big Ten, but then they won two more games in the conference tournament over, uh, over uh, Minnesota. And then uh, look, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here, the team they beat uh, in the Ohio next State, round. Ohio State, wasn't it? Ohio State, yeah. Yeah, yeah so they've got two nice wins. Um, and so you, you just want them to compete. And that's the one thing those guys really do under Mike Bichur. They compete from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing as a coach. You want your guys to go out and compete each and every day like you do for them. You know, you want them to have your back like you have their backs, no matter what. And that team, you're right, they're not the most talented. But damn, do they fight for Michael Shrewsbury. And we've talked about this quite a few times on this podcast. But it it goes without saying, because as a coach, you want, you don't want to be liked. You want to be respected as a head coach. And for him to come in with a lot of these guys, you know, Pickett played at Siena. Uh, John Hara might not have played this year if it wasn't for the opportunity at Penn State. I'm sure he probably could have gone somewhere, but he put on a hell of a show. He had to re-recruit those guys to stay at Penn State. And not only did he do that, he has to fit his system around them because those guys don't fit his system. They don't fit yeah. when he wants to run offensively. But damn, do they go out there every night and fight their tails off and compete. And that's exactly what you want as a head coach because – I will take 10 fighters any day. <laughs> Fight, did you, wait, wait. Did you say fighters? You, you broke up there, Bill O'Brien. I did say fighters that time. We have to keep this a little PG-13 on the We Are podcast. Those guys are a bunch of fighters. <laughs> That's one of the greatest moments in, in, in Penn State. Those guys are a bunch of fighters. Uh, you're right. Absolutely right. Is that These guys are not the prototypical guys that Michael Shrewsbury is going to want for his system. Maybe Jalen Pickett is, um, and Seth Lundy is, but here's what I keep saying. He needs to get better players, and I think he will get better players. At least, let me knock on wood here, okay? I hope he gets better players. Am I, am I 100% supremely confident that he will? Well, this gets us back to what Penn State basketball is. Because let's break this down. If Micah Shrewsbury gets better players, 
they will make some NCAA tournaments. He, he's just a sensational coach. He'll figure it out. Whatever he's got, he'll figure out a way to win with them, and they can be a little more consistent than they were this year, maybe finish some games better offensively. The offense really let them down in some key spots uh, in, in tough situations. But if he gets better players, they'll get to some tournaments. But this is still Penn State basketball. And you're, they've been to, what, six tournaments in 60 years. They would have been to another one, but got canceled. When Penn State goes after players in the transfer portal, you know who else is going to be going after those players in the transfer portal? UConn. And maybe Villanova. Not Villanova, but Syracuse, uh, Georgetown, Temple. Um, Rutgers, um, maybe even some of the big, big heavyweights. If he goes after big guys, then maybe some of the heavyweights are going to be going after those guys. So here, here's the question. If you're a 20-year-old dude out there and you're, you're really good and you're looking to transfer, will you go to Penn State, Jared? And maybe you will because Michael Shrewsbury's been – he's had a successful career and he's been in the NBA. But my, my concern with Penn State basketball is – always how do you get the guys there and how do you in the transfer portal era how do you keep them there yeah i mean that's i think that's going to be the tough thing right um the last thing that you want is guys to leave but i mean shrewsbury i think as of right now has done a great job recruiting i know it's very 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 early but for all intents and purposes, the 2023 class looks pretty impressive. Yes. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to watch his son play. Uh, he plays at State High. I coach at Altoona High uh, on the girls' side, but he plays on the boys' side, and, and he's a pretty impressive player. Um, not going to lie. Uh, so that's an opportunity for, for the Shrewsbury kid to come in and play for his dad, which I think will be a great opportunity, a great experience. But, you know, he got those guys re-recruited to Penn State. Those guys did not have any ties to this program if mm -hmm. they if they so chose because of everything that went down the the issues with pat chambers the the you know playing for jim ferry last year and then everybody entering the portal once shrewsbury was hired you know for him to come in and, and re-recruit those guys and have the success that he did yeah Tremendous. Were, the, were the results there as as what penn state probably would have wanted no absolutely not but damn those kids came out and he believed in them they believed in him and that is what matters at the end of the day. Hey, Jared, I love college basketball as much as anybody. This is not me questioning Penn State or anything. This is me questioning what the future of college basketball is. And I don't know. And anybody that tells you they know is lying. 40% of the college basketball Division I scholarship players in the country were in the portal last year. 40%. That is an unbelievable number. So how will, how will programs be built in the future? Not just Penn State, every program from Kentucky and Gonzaga and, you know, teams at the top in Arizona to St. Francis and Robert Morris and Wagner. I, I don't think anybody fully has a grasp on what college basketball is going to be when you're talking 40% of your guys are in a transfer portal in any given year in the entire sport. I bring that up for this reason. Penn State's high school recruiting was excellent. He brought in the best class Penn State's ever had. I don't 
me personally, I don't think Penn State's basketball program is going to reach the heights in this era that people wanted to reach through high school recruiting. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Now, traditionally, yeah, Lamar Stevens, Tony Carr, Shep Garner, you know, Philly Pipeline, all these things that we come to know about how you build a program at Penn State, I think you can just throw them all out the window in the transfer portal era for this reason. Say Penn State brings in an awesome high school freshman, and he's great. He kicks ass and takes names his freshman year. How hard is it going to be to keep him his sophomore year? You know what I'm saying? Because traditionally, you could keep Tony Carr for as long as he stayed. You could keep Lamar Stevens. You could keep these guys. Rasir Bolton left and went to Iowa State, and now he plays the number one team in the country in Gonzaga. Isaiah Brockington left and went to Iowa State and was the first team all Big Ten. So I don't know that the way Micah Shrewsbury is going to build the program into an NCAA contender is going to be through the high school level. I think it's going to have to be through the portal. But, and again, for as much as, believe me, please, as much as I hope he can do it, if, if Penn State offers you, Jared, you're a star at Siena, Jalen Pickett. You're a star at Central Michigan. You're a star at Akron. And Micah Shrewsbury offers you to come to Penn State. But maybe Oklahoma State offered you. Maybe Kansas State offered you. Maybe, hell, maybe Gonzaga offered you for, for crying out. Maybe Kentucky. Who knows? You see what I'm getting at? How, what is Penn State's history and tradition, and how will he be able to get the kind of players that he needs in the portal when those players are going to be highly sought after as well? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I think the base layer is your are your high school guys because let's be real, if they're high school guys and they're coming to commit to your program, they're probably going to be there for at least a year. Now, you have to keep them happy. And listen, everybody comes to college as the big fish in the small pond. But that first year, right. Jared, freshman, you're not going to take them to right. the NCAA tournament as freshmen. Right. You need to have them buy in for two or three years. In a perfect world, yes. But again, like what I'm trying to say is, you know, when you come to campus, what you've done in high school does not matter. When you get to campus, you are now this person. You are Corey Geiger, shooting guard, whatever. The stars don't matter. You have to go out and perform to the best of your ability each day at practice to get not only yourself better, but your teammates better and the team itself. And a lot of people... You know, whether it's what they were promised by certain coaches or whatever, they don't respond to that well because they're so used to being the guy. Offenses in high school, if you're, you know, if you're an Isaiah Brockington, offenses in high school run through you. If you're Lamar Stevens, everything's run through you. And, you know, when you get to college and you don't find that immediate success, that's tough. And that's that's a culture shock. That's That's a shock to your brain. That's a shock to your body. That's a shock to everything. So you have to be able to adapt to that. And the way that these kids are now, they're so accustomed to being the guy, the one and only guy, the one that matters the most from what the coaches tell them in meetings to AAU coaches, to advisors, to parents, to whoever you are, the guy, you're the next LeBron James, you're the next Michael Jordan. But when you get to campus and there are other guys there and you're fighting for a spot in that lineup, none of that matters. What matters is you're there. You have to go out and compete to the best of your ability. And if you can't cut it 
that's on you, not on anybody else. In the Big Ten as well. And we cannot talk about Penn State basketball in a bubble with what Penn State does and what Micah Shrewsbury does because Penn State is in perennially what is the most difficult conference in the country. Now, this year, the Big Ten, I think, was a little down. There was still some parity. But I, I think you know the top of the conference was not as good as it usually is. The bottom of the conference, not as good as it usually is. But what we're talking about here is trying to put all of this together and competing in a brutal, brutal league. Let me, re, let me mention one more time again what I said earlier. I truly do want Penn State basketball to succeed. I've said this on my radio show probably for five years. If I had one wish in the world of sports, Jared, one, in any sport, in anything, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, tennis, golf, whatever, my number one wish in the world of sports is that Penn State basketball would be a good program year consistently. Four to five NCAA tournaments a year. Hell, even three to four. I'm sorry, a decade. Even three to four NCAA tournaments a decade. That, that's my number one wish in all sports. I would love for Penn State basketball to be able to achieve these things that we're talking about. But at the same time, I know how difficult it is for Penn State to accomplish these things in the Big Ten. Because you're not talking Penn State football here. You're not talking 107,000 seat stadium and one of the great programs in the history of the sport and one of the highest TV rating rankings, TV ratings that, you know, games all throughout. You're talking about Penn State basketball. Penn State basketball has been irrelevant for most people's lives. If you're 40, 50, 60 years old listening to this, Penn State basketball has been irrelevant for the vast majority of your life. I wish that that was not the case. But I will say this, Micah Shrewsbury absolutely was the right hire. The way they finished this season, you have tremendously high hopes that this can work as, as, as good as any hire they could have made. And I really do. My fingers are crossed. See, well, we're, 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 Jared and I are on video. You guys are just listening on the podcast. But my fingers are crossed here, Jared. You can vouch for it. I, I wish that this could happen. And, and at least the way this season finished give, gives you more hope that it can. Yeah. And, and deservedly so. I think Shrewsbury is the right guy. Like I said, it speaks volumes for the way that those kids go to battle for him every day. But, you know, just like Shrewsbury and his players go to battle for each other, Corey and I are going to battle for our lovely listeners on the We Are Podcast, the Game <laughs> Sports Podcast Network. We'll catch you on the flip side to talk about some spring football. Back to the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Pergar. Penn State basketball season is over. Wrestling is still going on. We'll talk more about that later in the show. But Penn State football is starting to ramp back up. They are having their, their max days. The winter workouts are ending now. It's into spring football practices. Football programs across the country in the middle of them. And the spring game is right around the corner of the blue-white game. Corey, are you excited for spring football? 
You know what? I, I really am actually this year. I, I Look, I'm a baseball guy, Jared. I cover professional baseball, the Altoona Curve, uh, as do you, and you cover the Pirates. So for me specifically as a journalist, this time of year has always been, I, I, I got to get into baseball mode. I, I'm, I'm not as fully um, sold and bought buying into spring football as you know, maybe a lot of a lot of people who cover Penn State football because I'm I'm getting ready for baseball, but I will say this is a tremendously tremendously important spring for the Penn State football program. We talked at, at length last week about the offensive line. I'm not going to get into all that again. They they've got to get the line fixed, or nothing else we talk about matters. Nothing else that we talk about the Penn State football matters unless they get the offensive line fixed. But what you got here is you got a franchise quarterback who enrolled early. Coming in, he's there, Drew Aller. You got the number one running back recruit in the country as well in Nick Singleton. He enrolled early. He's there. These three to four months, and, and, and you know, in, in the whole weight program, we got to talk about everything, not just spring football, which starts here shortly. This is a vitally important time for the Penn State football program. Drew Aller has to come in and learn the playbook and learn and learn everything during these few weeks and months to give us reason to think that, Hey, if something happens to Sean Clifford this fall, Drew Aller could step in and be the guys a freshman. Nick Singleton is going to have an opportunity. You would think hopefully to maybe be another Saquon Barkley. Uh, and it, you know, the, these weeks and months are important for him with running backs. It can be really, really important. Jared, because in high school, you are the man. You are the man. You're faster, stronger, bigger. You can hit a hole and go for 60. In, in college, you hit that hole and you go for two. All right. And you got to learn how to deal with that. You got to learn how to run with each level you go up. But that's what to me this spring is all about getting these young recruits, uh, not only getting these guys on, on board, but also for this season specifically, getting Sean for getting that offensive line uh, all on the same page in year two of the Mike Yersich offense. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Um, absolutely huge. And uh, it, this is this is a big, big bridge to the uh, to get to August. And I think that matters. Everything, every little bit of that matters. And yeah, the line needs help. It's the, the running back room was not good last year. Uh, and, and a lot of that is because I'm up front. That's you know, that's, yeah, there's a lot of give and take there. You have to have holes to run through, but you have to be able to run through the holes too. Uh, you have to make something happen when there's nothing. But, I mean, you're, I'm a baseball guy too. I love football. I love the pageantry behind it. So I love spring football practice. Um, and it gives me an excuse to sit in the Beaver Stadium press box in April. But, you know, you look you look at everything the way that it that it's played out. And this is a huge year. This is a huge offseason for James Franklin and company. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they handle it. How We're not going to see what we want to see in the spring game. You want to see some improvement, absolutely. But at the same time, man, you got to come in and stay healthy. And I'm, I'm very excited to see, uh, to see what the young guys can do for Penn State because they haven't been this young in, in a couple of years. I'm, I'm really curious to see what the quarterback situation is like in the blue white game conventional wisdom would say you got a three-year starting quarterback he's gonna be 24 years old this season he doesn't need to play in the spring game he he, he sean clifford you would think 
would really not have a lot to prove or show in the spring game. You, you give Drew Aller, you give Christian Bayou, you give Bo Prabula, give those guys a lot of opportunities. And that very well may be the case. I think it'd be a mistake. I, I do think it would be a mistake for this reason. Um, Sean Clifford's an average quarterback. He was average last year. This is year two of him in, in Mike Dursich's system. It's an important practice. I Again, typically with a 24-year-old quarterback, you could sit him in spring a lot and say, let the younger guys learn. I think Sean Clifford's got a lot to learn. I think Sean Clifford does have stuff to prove. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest Sean Clifford guy in the world who, with any, if anybody who's listened to this or read maybe for any length, I think, I think he's got a lot to prove. I think they've got to get on, on the same page with Mike Yersich's offense. And so what will we see? I know we're jumping ahead, you know, the blue eye game here down the road. My, my, well, I could probably be wrong on this. I think we should see a lot of Sean Clifford, to be honest with you. Jerry, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, let's be real. We need to see more from Clifford. We're not going to see it in April. Uh, we need to see it in August. But for the first time in quite some time, he's going to be challenged. And I think, you know, you you see Gene Franklin's core values every time you're at Penn State, sacrifice, compete, work uh, yeah. ethic, uh, yeah. attitude. Yep. And those are all very good pillars to success. But it's that compete you don't always get as a starting quarterback. You want to be pushed. You need to be pushed. And I'm very interested to see if, if Clifford can handle that and, and to see if we don't get uh, a change later in the season. I just can't. I can't see it in the spring, summer, and fall camp. I'm not saying that Drew Aller might not be the starting quarterback or even Christian Bayou. We cannot, for this season specifically, we cannot just overlook Christian Bayou. He's been there a year and a half. He's played some games. Okay. Um, I can't just say Sean Cooper's going to start every game, and that's that. I can say with 99.9 degrees certainty, Sean Clifford's going to start at Purdue in week one. He's going to start at Auburn in week three because he's been there a long time. I This notion of a competition, I just don't buy it. I think that Drew Aller, Christian Bayou, and again, we want to give Bo Pravula a shot here as well. They need to show what they can do in the spring, summer, fall, and whatever opportunities that they have. I don't buy this competition component, but we, we, we talked about this a while back. What if you get off your rough start? And I think you've got Minnesota in like week seven or something. And you're, what if you're three and three, four and two, even at four and two, you're probably sticking with whatever's working three and three. Do you, do you switch to Drew Aller at that point? Uh, but I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily see there being a competition the quarterback spot in the spring. Um, I know Penn State fans want that. When you bring in the number one recruit in the country, you'd think that dude might have an opportunity to realistically be the guy. But again, Penn State's got a 24-year-old man. A man. He's a man. Sean Clifford has been around a long, long time. They know what they've got in Sean Clifford. And and I I just don't see any way that they even – even they might say there's a competition like what you talk about with the core values. I'm just not going to believe it. Right. And, you know, deservedly so. Sean Clifford, I think, has done enough to keep the job. But now there's going to be somebody nipping at his heels. And I think that's huge uh, for Penn State moving forward. Uh, but 
you know, Clifford's got to take the next step. Kevon Lee's got to take the next step. Parker Washington now will have to take the next step. You know, the offensive line has got to be markedly improved um, between last year and this year. And, you know, will that happen? I don't know. I, I remain optimistic. Uh, but could there be a position change down the road? Yeah, obviously Penn State starts this season not on the best of, you know, best of schedules. But, you know, that's the way that it is. So you just got to deal with it. And and hopefully the Penn State can come through with it unscathed and, and see what happens because, you know, there's so much that can happen in the game of, uh, game of football that we just don't know how this string is going to play out. And it goes without saying, really, that you got to stay healthy. You got to keep all these young guys healthy because when they're transitioning from high school to college and now they feel more pressure to to try to show themselves right off the bat, uh, you, you can you can do too much. You can try to, you know, you can hurt yourself, set yourself back. So you hope that none of that stuff happens. But I will say I, I am looking forward to the spring game. We'll talk a whole lot about this in you know future podcasts. But I'm looking forward to the spring game just to see. Uh, they're bringing in the number one quarterback recruit and number one running back recruit in the country. If you're not excited about seeing that, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you as a sports fan. That's right. And, you know, let's be honest with you. We know you're excited for the second or the third segment. So we're going to wrap this one up here and we will catch you after this short break on the, we are podcast, DK Pittsburgh sports podcasting network. gentlemen welcome back to the third segment of the we are podcast the cape Pittsburgh sports podcasting network i am jared prugar he is Corey geiger Corey, you know we talked briefly about the wrestling program earlier in the show but let's be real here there isn't a team that's better outside of maybe the fencing team at penn state than the wrestling team kale sanderson is doing a great job uh obviously perennial national powers year in year out you know but the season is still going on for them and they're preparing for the championships once again we've got uh the ncaa tournament coming up on thursday the 17th in detroit penn state has four number one seeds in the tournament and a number two seed uh they had four individual national champions last year and did not win the title uh this year they bring in they bring those four individuals back uh as the individual national champions roman bravo young nick lee uh also carter sirachi aaron brooks um aaron brooks is actually number two seed at 164 max dean is the number one seed at 197 so what they have jared is they have four number one seeds and a number two seed who's a defending national champion. And, uh, you know, they've got nine wrestlers. Now, the nine wrestlers component, that's great, obviously, uh, but they did not get uh, one weight. So can they win a national title with the nine? They're going to need those five that I mentioned, the four number ones, and then Aaron Brooks, number two. If they can advance deep, get to the semifinals, get to the finals, they're going to need three or four of them to win individual national titles. 
And again, they had four last year win it, and they didn't win the team title. Uh, I, I have a big problem with wrestling scoring system from that standpoint, but maybe we can save that for another time. But uh, they have a shot. They have a really good shot. They go in, I think, is the favorite. Even though they did not win the Big Tens, Michigan edged them out by a point and a half, and some really crazy things happened. Drew Hildebrandt started 0-2, you know. If he wins a couple of those matches, they win. Any um, number of other things happen, they would have won the Big Ten. But I do still think Penn State is the favorite going into Detroit. Uh, if they can win it, it would be Cale Sanderson's ninth in 11 years. And But, again, the key is you, you got to get three or four, hey, maybe even five individual national champions. That's not out of the realm of possibility. At, they've got to get a lot of bonus points. They've got to do a lot of things that Cale Sanderson teams have done traditionally at Penn State in order to win these titles. Well, and it's funny because, you know, not winning the national title is the national championship is really a disappointment for Penn state. Yeah. Right. Um, Isn't that crazy? And, and that's wild. And that sustained success is just um, incredible. And Sanderson has done a great job. Obviously they learned him from Iowa state from his alma water uh, to come to Penn state, run the program. And he's, as soon as he took over, it's been lights out. It's been national championship after national championship, Olympic wrestler after Olympic wrestler, um, it, it's just been an incredible run of success. And, you know, I think they have a chance to, to do some damage here, uh, here at nationals and, and you really get the program back to some normalcy. Yeah, it is. It, that, that's interesting. Normalcy. Cause we started with Penn state basketball normalcy for Penn state basketball is, yeah, eh, they weren't very good. But when spring, when spring football. That's that's normalcy for Penn State basketball. But as you mentioned, I mean, if they finish second in the how's this for the standard is the standard, Mike Tomlin. If Penn State finishes second in the country, that's disappointing. I mean, I mean, really, uh, when you've won eight and ten years and you've got this firepower, we expect them to win the national title. And so uh, it is wild when you talk about expectations in sports to me are amazing. Uh, I don't have great expectations for the Penn State football team this fall. I've got them going seven and five. My expectations for wrestling is I expect them to win a national title every damn year. You know what I'm saying, Jared? And it's, it's just amazing when you set the bar so high that uh, again, I'll go back to Mike. I don't know how many Steelers fan list, fans listen to our podcast, but you know what the standard is for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now? Mediocrity. Mediocrity. They had won a playoff game in six years. Okay, the standard used to be excellence in AFC championship games, uh, but it's mediocrity right now. The standard for Penn State wrestling is a national championship, period. Yeah, that's a weird way to look at it, but I mean, that's – that's the normal thing. National championships at most weight classes, if not all, uh, they, they always have one weight class where they just kind of struggle and it, and it, it could be a one or two year thing or, or a four year cycle. But you know what Penn state has been able to do on the mat on the wrestling mat has been great. And, and I'm excited to see what they can do in Detroit, because I think there are a lot of guys that are going to turn some heads there. Yeah. And, and as we speak here, as we kind of wrap this up, I am coming to you folks from uh, Orlando right now. I'm on vacation uh, with my, my wife and family, my 20th wedding anniversary. 
is Wednesday the 16th. So depending on when people are, are listening to this, Jared just got engaged. Jared's life took a big step forward there just not too long ago. Um, this is our, my family's first vacation in two years. So what, one thing I wanted to talk about as we close this is, is your life back to normal? You know, uh, Jared, two years ago, Valentine's week, two years ago, we were here in Orlando at, at, at a place we come to a lot. And in the USA Today, there was something like about this cruise ship with a bunch of passengers stuck on it because of a coronavirus. This is Valentine's week, two years ago. I gave it no thought, none. Then the second, third day, it's, you know, now it's on CNN and, you know, and, and you're like, okay, well, what's going on here? All hell breaks loose about three weeks later. Our country goes into shutdown. Everybody's life kind of hits pause for, for a while. And maybe for a lot of families, a long while. So here we are two years later, Jared. This is my family's first vacation since two years ago when we were here right before the pandemic. And so it's kind of taken this long for my family's life to get back to normal. Did, did you get back to normal or relatively normal in your life a, a lot sooner than that? Uh, it, you know, it's tough because you, as, a, as an educator, as a coach, right, we've been impacted so much. And I'll never forget, you know, that day or those days in 2020 because, you know, I, we were just talking to as a coaching staff for our baseball team about how we had had our kids really about to turn a corner and they had started to respect us and trust us and believe in us as a staff to, to get them better at the game of baseball. And then it comes out that you're stopping for two weeks and, and that two weeks turned into two months and turned into the rest of the school year. And it's tough because we had to adjust. Nothing has been the same since uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Let's be real for the longest time, the, last piece of normalcy in, in Pittsburgh in a sporting event was Robert Morris beating St. Francis in the NEC championship game. And that was, a, that was a Tuesday night, just for some time yeah. reference. I was there. It was a Tuesday night. I remember asking Andy tool because there was a report that no fans were going to be allowed at the first four in Dayton. All right. And Robert Morris was going to go to the first four. And this had really kind of just been announced after Robert Morris had won the game. And so I, he, I'm talking to him in 15 minutes every game. He said, well, I don't know. And then Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert holds a huge place in American sports history from the Utah Jazz because it was the next day, a Wednesday, when Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID. And that's basically when the whole world shut down in sports. And after <laughs> he touched the, refer or the journalist's microphones. It did. That's right. Exactly right. But the NBA shut down. The NCAA tournament was canceled. I believe the next day, the Big Ten tournament was canceled. And so, and, and look, I, I in no way do I want to diminish the loss and suffering that people may have had. Knock on wood, uh, my family did not really suffer any big losses or anything from COVID. We've had a million people or so die in this country. A lot of families really will never be back to normal, Jared. Never. But we didn't eat out at restaurants for the long, a long, 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 long time. We're fully vaccinated, my family. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't out there listening. And you, whatever political take you want to stance you would want to take on it, regardless. But I'm just saying that it took most of a two-year period for, for my family to feel comfortable to what I would say 
is really just kind of living life normal again. Yeah, it's tough because like last year we played with masks. We had to be separated in dugouts and, and things like that. And, you know, it, it's tough to make those adjustments. We're so used to doing things a certain way. And, and I think there's a lot of good that's come up with it. I think the util- utilization of technology, I think, has helped with Google Meets and, and Zooms and stuff like that. Because if, obviously we, we have the opportunity to do this. If we did not have this opportunity, we would, you know, it would be a really weird situation on, on days like today where you're in Orlando, I'm in Altoona. You know, you're enjoying, I would imagine, some decent weather. And here it, there's snow blowing and there's snow on the ground. So I, <laughs> clearly you're the real winner. But, you know, it, it's tough because the restaurant industry is still not the same. I would love for the housing market to crash and come back to normal. But, you know, I'm trying to live my life as normal as possible. And it's not always the easiest. You know, every business is different. Every, every school district, every school is different everything is everybody is it's not the same and that's okay that's perfectly fine but it's just having to make those adjustments that really really make it difficult and from a sports standpoint i want to close with this just to give people something to think about all right we're still at a, we're still in a situation where if an athlete tests positive he, he or she's gonna to have to sit out of a sporting event okay um, let me let me repeat this five times. COVID is not the flu. 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 It is not. But remember the famous Michael Jordan flu game? He came out and played, was phenomenal. Probably still contagious, right? Able to play. Remember the Penn State football game against Rutgers? Yeah. Penn State had a bunch of dudes with the flu. Some tried to play, including Sean Clifford. I wonder at what point we will get to a stage with the vaccine and the comfort level and all of that, what we know scientifically, medically, everything, where even if even in that, if an athlete tests positive for COVID, he or she can still play. You know what I'm saying? I don't think we're yeah. I don't think we're really close yet. Um, but I think just to give people something to think about, I think it might be within two to three years that uh, Najee Harris, not going I'm just making an example, Najee Harris tests positive and is allowed to play for the Steelers. You know, and especially with the NFL, it might not even be two years because you only play one game a week and those games are massive. Let, let's say it's a, a Pittsburgh Pirates player. Jared, if I said over under three years an athlete who tests positive on a friday morning in major league baseball or the nba when will that person be able to play in a game that friday being positive I would you, say, you think that happens within two to three years i would say under three years yeah um, i think it's possible i mean i, I think that the first step for for leagues is just like the major is just like major league baseball they're now allowing clubhouse access to those who are vaccinated yep. and boosted. I think that's a good first step. You know, the one-on-one interview has kind of gone away in, in a sense in person, but you know, you just hope for the best and, and that's all we can really ask for. And you hope for everybody's health and happiness. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is we all want to be normal. We, and, 
you know, March Madness is back. Penn State basketball is done. There aren't any good Pittsburgh basketball teams this year. Uh, so we are back to some sort of normal <laughs> to an extent. But, you know, at the end of the day, all that we can hope is that everybody's happy, healthy, and, and ready to take on each and every day. But yeah, I, 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 I hope for everybody. And, again, no matter what your life situation has put you through, it would be nice to get back to a normal life to a degree. We're talking sport here. I know this is a heavy subject, but I do think sports by and large has gotten back to normal. And again, what, when will that next step be that athletes will be able to play if they're positive? I don't know. I think it's within two to three years, if not even, even less. Now college is different. That might be a different discussion because you're still talking education, student athlete, that that's a different situation than professional sports. But I, I would say, you know, in closing on this particular subject, no matter who you are, where you are, what, you know, what you've gone through or what your family's gone through, I, I hope that your life is pretty much back to normal now. Right. And just like normal, we're going to wrap this up here for another week. For Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Perger on the We Are Podcast of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Stay happy, stay healthy. We'll catch you again next week.